as we begin, um, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, God of light, we pray that you might continue to reveal yourself to us, especially during this new year. Speak to us anew, transform us, and change us just a little bit more into your love that is in the world already as we speak. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. Amen. So I know exactly what everyone was thinking when they walked in the sanctuary today, which was, why is Christmas still up, right? And you're not fully wrong because technically, but you're not fully right either. It's kind of this ambiguous stage. So do you know what Epiphany Sunday, have you figured out Epiphany Sunday and what we're celebrating today or remembering? Anyone? Who are the characters from the pageant that we're remembering on Epiphany Sunday? Oh, I, heard, I saw it. The three wise men, the three wise men. Because did you know the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas? You know that song, on Twelve Days of Christmas? Actually, it come from the song. It comes from the liturgical season known as Christmastide, which is 12 days when we're supposed to celebrate Christmas. And if you grew up maybe in England, you might know that your decorations stay up until Epiphany Sunday, which is the 12th day of Christmas. Some of you know uh, Pastor Tom Choi, now DS Tom Choi, who was pastor here for a while. I was talking to him on Thursday, and he said, happy 10th day of Christmas. Or, and that's what his introduction to me on the phone was, because we were in these 12 days of Christmas. And I know all of you have prepared, prepared you're just like recovering from your party that you threw yesterday for Epiphany, Sun, or Epiphany Day, right? Yeah, everyone did that? And, you know, we had our festival, our family gathered, we opened presents, and we didn't do any of those things because we don't really have that tradition. Most of us are like are ready to get our Christmas packed away in the closet again before the new year hits so we could celebrate that. Some of us have this epiphany kind of in our recollection. Uh, others still, the word epiphany might just mean light bulb that kind of goes off in your head a little bit, you know, light bulb. Um, but the idea is that these 12 days of Christmas were days that we're supposed to remember the gift of Christ. And then on the first Sunday of January, which is weird because this Sunday happens after Epiphany, we celebrate as a church Epiphany Sunday. So Epiphany was yesterday, so we are a day late, but technically, liturgically, we're okay to keep our Christmas decorations up. If you want to help take them down this week, you're welcome to do it. But as I, um, I grew up in Minnesota, and I've been spent most of my life in either the United States, I spent a little bit of time in Japan, but I don't have really any experience with this day that was yesterday being Epiphany. And so it wasn't until I was pastor, and you know, normally what happens is when you're an associate pastor, you get the off Sundays that you get to preach, right? And so I, uh, my pastor, my lead pastor preached the Christmas Eve and a lot of Sundays up to Advent, and then it was the first you know, Sunday after Christmas, which was Epiphany Sunday. So he gave that to me. And I'm like, I don't even know what this day is. There's all these like holidays in the liturgical year that I didn't grow up celebrating because I didn't grow up Episcopalian, Lutheran, or Catholic. And so I had to figure out what is Epiphany Sunday and why do we celebrate it? But as I was learning more about it, I was in awe at 
the reality that we in America and in the West especially, America especially, don't do what other parts of the world do. Like in Ethiopia, for example, the keiki leave a box of straw outside of their doors on the eve before Epiphany, and then they hustle up in the morning to run outside to see what's left in their doorstep because the camels on their journey to the manger, they need food and sustenance. Or in Costa Rica, how they do something similar underneath their bed or underneath this tree, they fill up shoeboxes full of straw or grass, and then they run in the morning to see what gifts the wise men left them on their journey. For some, especially in Eastern Christianity, Epiphany, not Christmas, is the day. Epiphany is the culmination. It's the fullness. It is the party itself. It begins with Christmas, but the true celebration was yesterday. And if you're scratching your head like me, wondering, you know, like, I, this is the first you've heard of it, Google it, okay? Just Google it. You'll see that it's a thing in other places beyond the United States and beyond especially Western Christianity. And it's interesting when you experience different traditions that provide meaning. Because when I was reading this story, um, this had a lot more connection to the Bible than stockings does, right? You know, we leave stockings and we fill them up and Santa comes. But like, this is like straight up biblical remembrance that the shoeboxes are food and sustenance for these characters that went on a long journey to visit the Christ child. And as you open yourself to this different perspective, you begin to wonder, well, yeah, why then maybe we should celebrate Epiphany just a little bit more, or maybe we should like think about the traditions that we have. I know some of my Christian friends, they get so tired of the commercialization of Christmas and the consumerism that's built into Christmas. They try to do it a little bit differently, but remember the wise men in their gift giving, and they only give their, gifts, their kids three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, something they treasure, something they want. Frankincense, something that's useful for them. And then myrrh, something they need, kind of clothes, right? And they only give their kids three gifts. I am not as disciplined as that, but I really like the idea. How do we relive the Bible in our celebration of this time of Christmas? Is something I learned from other perspectives as I was reading about this day I had no idea about. And isn't it fascinating, different cultures and what they can teach you and how you can grow from them? I know many of us have spent time traveling abroad. Many of us have lived abroad. Um, many of us are still like, located in this abroad service station, right, which is Hawaii because they treat it like that within the services. And we have this time to find new culture and to experience God here in a different place. And that is exactly what we celebrate on Epiphany Sunday. So the writers of the gospel all had a different vantage point that they're coming from, and um, Matthew happens to be the most Jewish of them all. He's the one like writing from the Jewish perspective to the people. And it, what's so interesting, though, is he's the only one that includes this story. And what's unique about this is that these are 
wise men from the east. We don't know a lot about them. We, we hear kings. I don't really know those kings. Actually, the Greek word is Zoroaster, which is a priest for the religion of the time, Zoroastrianism, which was a, kind of a Persian religion that we picked up some of the ideas around angels from Judish, Judea, Babylon, exile. And so we like Zoroastrianism is in the area. And so what we don't get a sense of is that these are like scholarly biblical people. In fact, Zoroastrianism believed in sort of virgin births of the divine. And so they, and they believed that they could find these births by seeing the stars. So like we, for all we know, in their other religious perspective, they were looking for a manifestation of a prophet that would be shown in the stars. And they happened to see this revelation in the, remember a few years ago, the Bethlehem stars, that's what we think, maybe what was there, so this Bethlehem star, this alignment of stars, and that led them to this place, Bethlehem. And what's unique is that Matthew uses the word Zoroasters in Greek, and he's using that word, which is someone other than the Jews has a revelation from God. And that seems really like commonplace for us who live in a world of, you know, coexistence or people think about other world religions and comparative religions all the time. But in the ancient Juda uh, Judaism, the mindset of like Jew and Gentile was just so black and white. They could not understand God speaking, God doing, God being anywhere other than with the people of Israel. And so the Messiah and the Messiah's role was to come to be with the people of Israel, to save the people of Israel. The expectation would be that the Messiah would bring back the kingdom of Israel and overthrow the Roman Empire. But here at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, he's hinting at something different, something that the Apostle Paul does later on in his ministry, which no one understands and everyone disagrees with, which was that Jesus comes to the Gentiles. Jesus comes to the Gentiles. And, and I know, some of us scoff and we're like, yeah, that seems normal. But for Jews, that's a radical perspective. And it's one thing for me to talk about how Jesus reveals us to me, like different pers Christian perspectives. So Eastern Christian perspectives have taught me. But I want to ask you, how many of your times abroad or in different places have you experienced learning from another culture in a way that helps you grow as a Christian in your life? Have you ever gone to another culture and just watched the way that they've done something and be like, why don't we do that? And that, that's just so much more hospitable or so much more welcoming. I, I remember the first time at a meal in Japan, I was you know, blown away because they, I it didn't matter. I was a guest of honor because I was a teacher from another, language, from another place. And they just wanted to make sure that I always felt welcome. And so because of it, my cup never got below halfway. Right? And so like, if you're in Japan, that's just like kosher, is that you don't let anyone's cup, especially a guest, go below halfway. Everyone will just always keep on filling it. It's a very happy night. But everyone keeps on filling the cups, right? And, and they just make sure that you know that there's always more than enough. 
And the ways in which they went out of their way to show me hospitality taught me about how I might be more hospitable. And I believe that one of the fundamental Christian beliefs is to be hospitable. I preached about that on Christmas Eve. God makes room for us. I learned how to be more hospitable from my Japanese friends when I was living in Japan. How have you learned to be more faithful from people of different faiths or of different cultures? Because I I know that we have. Or are you one of those people that kind of like goes tunnel vision? I'm not blaming anyone, but I'll tell you a story. I've, I've shared it before, and I hope that this isn't any of our experience. When I was, my first experience in Japan was I was teaching, I was going from being a youth ministry major and we led a uh, week-long camp for U.S. high school military kids through a military parachurch organization called Malachi Ministries. And so we went there, and we supported them with their uh, camp for the week, and, um, and then that was the offering that we had. But we also got to tour around Japan. And so one of this, I think he was in, in the Navy, and he was uh, stationed at Yokosuka, or I think that's where it is. And so it's close to Tokyo, and he offered to tour, give us a tour of Tokyo. And we're like, sure, we, we didn't do enough research. We didn't go uh, do any of it. And so there, this, uh, this guy, he's a young adult, he's probably like early, mid-20s, just starts getting us on the subway or, and then, or the metro and then taking us to these random spots. And I tell you what, it, Tokyo was terrible. There was nothing to do at any of the spots that he took. I mean, like, he would take us to a spot, and there would be not even a store around us. No monuments, no nothing. And then we would walk for 30 minutes, and then we wouldn't do anything. And then later on in the day, it culminated with the grand experience of going to uh, the Hard Rock Cafe in Rapungi. Some of you are chuckling because of Hard Rock Cafe. Others of you who have spent any time in Tokyo know the word Rapungi, and you know that that is the Western, especially American, block of Tokyo. This guy had, I think, never actually explored the city of Tokyo. The year afterwards, we went back and we did our own research, and we said no thank you to giving us the tour. And then, you know, we did it, and we stopped at Akihabara, Shibuya, Harajuku. You know, we went to all the places, and it was the coolest city ever. It's just so fun and so many different unique characteristics in every different location. But this person had been living in just around the corner from Tokyo for over a year and had no idea where to even go in the city other than Rapungi, <laughs> other than the Hard Rock Cafe and the TJF Fridays. And some of us know people that are colleagues, especially if you're in the military, that are like that. They just go to a place and they just stay on base and they never adventure. And then I wonder how many of us, though, are like that here if we haven't lived here for 40 years, too. I will, uh, I will say that it happened three weeks ago. I realized how holly I am. Um, and I told this story earlier today, but uh, I was hanging out with a friend at a soccer field, and um, they were, we just happened to have the fanny pack, and I thought, oh, that was a cool fanny pack, and it was a Dakine fanny pack, the brand Dakine, and um, I grew up, I went snowboarding, and I would have like Dakine boots and different things on my stuff, it's just a brand I knew about, they made backpacks, they do all those things, and it didn't, hit. I've, I've been here for seven and a half years on Oahu, and it didn't hit me until three weeks ago, that Dakine was pigeon. Dakine, a bag, right? Like, Dakine. 
And I was like, what? I've looked at this brand all the time and I never like connected. <laughs> yeah, some of you are laughing at me. I know, I know. I realized how holly I am. But I, I finally sunk in, like some pigeon finally got in that I knew that this was a, not a brand, just a brand that someone picked out of the air. It was the kind of bag that we had. We don't even have to add the bag to it. And sure enough, I did, to my credit, I knew that this brand was based out of the Northwest, but it happened to have started on the North Shore of Maui. So it, it did start there, so I had some like, distance there. But in my evaluation for me this year and in Charge Conference, one of the things that I talked about with SPRC is that one of my goals as a pastor, who's been here seven and a half years, is to attach a continuing education to Hawaiian history and Hawaiian culture. Because I believe after seven and a half years, I still have so much more to learn about this place and the Aina and where I find myself. And so if you're here for a year and a half, and some of us have been here for longer and don't know the history of the islands or don't know the current cultural and climate-based problems that are facing Oceania and all the community throughout the Pacific Islands, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, those are the things that we need to learn and can grow with here. And Sue Pignataro, our church council chair, she can wave her hand back there. And we were talking about a desire we have for our church in the new year. And that is for our church to be more connected to the community and to our local native Hawaiian community around us. And that we can partner and learn together more about who we are and more about our God, even though it might come from a different perspective, even though they might not be or become Christian, that we can learn about God's self-revelation from one another, from different cultural perspectives. I, I, one of the times I recognized the connection between God and the diverse community around us was I was pastor in North Carolina, but I went to a conference in Arizona, so there's lots of pastors from the West Coast, and it was a much more diverse pastoral context than going from North Carolina, where there's mostly white men that were the pastors in North Carolina, but I went to this conference, and there was people from all different walks of life, men, women, different ethnicities, and there happened to be a Korean-American pastor from San Francisco that was I was talking to, and he made it more clear than ever. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we must talk about the kingdom, the diverse kingdom of God. And so when we pray, Lord, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying for the diversity of all of God's people to be part of that conversation. And so if we're here for a temporary time, then we ought to go out and expand our horizon and learn from wherever we find us. If we're here for a long time, we need to go out and expand and learn from various perspectives. A goal, a New Year's goal, you probably have lots of fitness or other things going on. Add one, find someone who thinks, believes, acts differently than you and become their friend. Or at least go to coffee with them a few times enough that you know more about their lives and their stories. Because that is our call for God's kingdom. And here at the beginning of the Jewish gospel, that is how God reveals God's self to the world, is through those who are from a different tradition, a different faith, a different perspective. And then they come in bearing gifts for all of us to find. 
So my prayer is for us to continue to strive to be the diverse kingdom of God where we might experience the gifts and the graces, the knowledge and the wisdom that all bring as gifts to each other. I'm, I'm going to invite us to a, a time of prayer, and during this prayer, being that it's a communion Sunday, I'm going to guide this into a prayers of the people, where we'll think about the world and the various perspectives of the world, um, and how we might be invited to partner with uh, supporting people that they can uh, reveal their individuality from wherever they are, or the needs of the con and concerns of the world as well. So I invite you to this time of prayer with me. God of mystery, you reveal yourself to us uh, as we remember uh, in Jesus, in your own presence in our midst. And yet, you continue to reveal yourself to people from all walks, all tribes of the world in unique ways where we can learn from one another. Help us especially here in Hawaii to learn from our neighbors, our colleagues, our friends that have spent much more time here than some of us. Help us learn from people who are different, perhaps the places they've lived, the orientation or identifications that they carry. And press deeply into the belief that your kingdom on earth is a diverse kingdom where all the people of the world bring their gifts like the wise men did to Jesus. And so we pray, pray for places in the world where they can't even think about what they bring because they're just trying to survive and find safety. For the conflict between Israel and Hamas and all those who are caught in the midst. For the growing tension and tribal fights going on in Sudan. For the ongoing war in Ukraine, we pray. And for all those places where the sounds of firecrackers going off in the air are not New Year's celebrations, but reminders of the conflict around them. For our Aina, the earth itself, the land in which we walk, we pray that we might learn from all of your creation and learn from those who are more connected and know more about where we live. And for our nation, we pray. that we might 
in a year where we'll be told to divide, that we might listen anew to one another. With bigger hearts and ears more open and more compassion and more embrace of those who are different. And for our local community, we pray. Help us as a church reflect our community around us. Connect to it. Know its heartaches and its pains. And be part of those that are trying to bring about healing to the land and to the people. And for our church, we pray. For all those that celebrate Epiphany, celebrate this Christmas season. And also for those that call themselves United Methodists. During a year when we'll have our large global gathering and we'll be in the news a lot over our divisions and disagreements. Help us listen to one another. Help us hold a place for all. that we might see your diverse kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And to those we know that are suffering from illnesses, recovering from surgeries, and those that have passed. Thinking particularly of Mele, our sister Kave, and brother Hesse's mom that passed away last week. And those we name silently in our hearts. Amen.